Ahoy, and welcome to the Open Journal Blogcast. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and all things related. That includes illness, wellness, stigma and support, and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. We're going to be covering projects, campaigns, education, starting conversations, and looking at some of the tools that support our well-being as well. I'm Mike, and while I'm being mindfully mindless, hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you you're not alone out there. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so Mm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to Open Journal and episode 212. I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think I'll go there, right? <laughs> 212. Uh, I hope this week has been a great week for you. Delighted to be back again. Um, some good news, I think, last week, uh, where we had the the information about the kind of the lifting of lockdown and restrictions uh, for later this year. The kind of the roadmap for the UK's. Um, exiting yeah i think exiting of um of some of those restrictions uh and a guideline i guess for for what we're hopefully working towards through spring and the summer and i think a, a really positive thing to see from the um kind of the the pandemic and health side that um we're getting vaccinations happening um that support is happening and, and that that journey has has started and is underway and we've got that kind of that roadmap uh, there i've also seen in the last week or so um there are now kind of reports and research that uh, have been and that are happening around the the impact on our mental health of the pandemic for for different age groups and different situations and i think um there's going to be a lot of continued work in that area and it'll be interesting in the future to maybe look at and speak about some of those um some of those reports some of those uh, pieces of research because I really think this is going to be a, a, a long-lasting impact, particularly for some of the younger age groups. Um, but I think, yeah, there's a, a very, very long journey and some lasting impact that's going to be there. So I think an important thing for us to consider and in a future episode um, to probably approach. But this week, I'm delighted to be joined by Dennis from Psych Reg, who's going to be joining us, going to be talking a little bit about his experience as a mental health blogger and kind of building that up from being his own space to being now uh, almost like a 
a resource hub um, with so many different people feeding in bits of information, bits of research, speakers, presenters. Um, there's so many different things going on at Psychridge. I think it's really worth having a look there, having a look at the work that um, Dennis has done and is doing and continues to do. It was really nice to sit down and have a chat with Dennis. We, we're involved in a few um, different conversations and Dennis is obviously one of our uh, community leaders with the mental health blog awards as well so really nice to actually just have a moment to sit down have a chat and hear a little bit more about Dennis his background his story um, and what's going on with him one of the things I also liked about our conversation is starting to look at and consider that idea that kind of mental health blogging can be something that people do for kind of paid work for a job for a career and I think really nice to see that potential growth and those potential opportunities that are there if someone wanted to take it that little bit further um, I just I think there's there's so much still to do around raising people's uh, value respect recognition um, for for mental health blogging and for the work that goes into it and the importance of it so really really interesting to sit down and have a chat with Dennis hear a little bit more about his work and about Psychridge. I really hope you enjoy this week's episode but as always if you're interested in coming on the podcast and being a guest yourself you can find more information on the website which is openjournalbc.com. I hope you enjoy this week's episode and I look forward to talking to you again very very soon. Here's me and Dennis. It's lovely to to sit down again with you, Dennis, and, and have the opportunity to to have a little bit of a chat. But first up, just how's your your last few days? How's the last week been for you? Um, it's been quite challenging. I've I've been um, very busy um, because um, last September I started my PhD, so I'm currently doing my PhD. So right now my writing is very messy, so that really occupies my time. And of course, on top of my PhD, I'm doing psychreg. So yeah, in a nutshell, I've been very busy, but I'm glad there's um. Um, there's a break. Um, I, I take this conversation as a form of a break, um, self-care, if you will. Oh, awesome. It's um, it's really good to hear you've been busy recently. I think it's a, a time that's really easy to have maybe felt down and be struggling. And I think some of the um, conversations I've had recently have reflected on like, the difficult time we've had, particularly, well, I guess everywhere um, through this winter um and i think there's so much going on in kind of the, the mental health the well-being sphere it's really nice to hear kind of that's 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 been proactively happening for you as well there's lots of things going on mm-hmm. yeah lots of things are going on and i'm 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 happy that there's really some you know exciting things that's going on with um um with the mental health landscape um as you've said we've been through a challenging year and I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to harness one of um, the most important, um, shall we say, character of, of mm-hmm. human personality, and that is resilience. And um, that, that is exactly what I'm really passionate about, um, resilience. Um, in fact, um, that's um, my um, research project of or my PhD. I'm trying to look for ways to promote um, resilience among adolescents. That's really interesting. I think um, resilience is such an interesting 
concept as well, isn't it? Because it's it's an area that obviously affects people. Mm. I don't want to say quite severely, but in a in a big way, if they're affected by certain symptoms and illnesses in relation to mental health. But resilience is also something that kind of anyone and everyone should really be kind of thinking about and engaging with. Um, so, kind of, where did your initial interest in in resilience in particular come from? Um, I suppose it's got something to do with my um, childhood experiences and also my um, advocacy about mental health. Because um, basically, I, I'd love to, you know, I, I'd love to frame mental health as something that we could promote if we kind of, you know, encourage people to be resilient rather than, you know, um, I, I, I don't want to sound... Um, 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 critical or I, I don't want to be dismissive of other people's live experience but sometimes um, especially you know you know um, in, in the kind of work that we do especially for myself I'm a blogger and sometimes there's there tends to be you know because we earn from clicks um, there's tend to be a temptation to glamorize um, mental health issues so um, that, that kind of gave me the spark of you know what, instead of just trying to glamorize mental health issues and encouraging, for, for lack of a better word, encouraging um, people to you know, see themselves as victims. Why don't we actually encourage them to be more resilient? Why don't we you know, um, try to frame resilience as kind of a like backbone of mental health? So that really is um, sort of the impetus of my um, interest um, when it comes to resilience. That's- yeah, the way you worded it, I think kind of in my mind, it prompts the the idea that I guess historically we've already we've really spoken about mental health in regards to illness. And I think that comes across in like you say, it's if people want to speak about it or speak about their experience, they have to talk about illness because you can't talk about, oh, like I really want to engage with my mental health and I want to support it and be better equipped maybe to deal with things that might happen to me in the future it's always been about dealing with those kind of the illnesses, the struggles, the the things that have been perceived as quite negative. Um, so I think it's really interesting to see that approach. Mm-hmm. You kind of you're you're going on the on the um, the resilient side of of actually that being proactive and considering all aspects of our of our mental health, our mental well being, and probably touching in on a few other areas of health as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and actually, that, that, that's my um, interest, um, research interest at the moment. I'm looking into ways to, um, you know, um, encourage um, adolescents to have grit, um, resilience. And these are very essential, shall we say, ingredients of positive mental health. Um, of course, we have to be, you know, we, we have to acknowledge that, um, you know, when it comes to mental health, it's it's a personal journey. So you can't really just say to someone that, you know, you have to be resilient, you have to be gritty. Um, we, we have to, you know, we have to understand, we have to look at mental health in, in a very, you know, shall we say, eclectic, um, eclectic perspective, um, not just one sided view. Um, but essentially, um, what I'm trying to contribute to the mental health landscape is um, there might be a different um, way to approach it. Um, yeah. No, that's good. It's good to hear. I think it's um, as you said, there are different approaches, and I think everyone comes with their own background and their own experience, and that's going to impact on not just what they feel they're able to do and and what they are able to do, but also what's going to be beneficial to them if they 
come with um, certain lived experiences that are traumatic or difficult to, to look at. That's going to be harder. Um, but equally, it might be that they've got a really good background in a certain area. So if you're talking about resilience in, in one aspect, it might be actually they've already got that. They might be really, really good at social situations and public speaking and might have really good kind of, yeah, we're, we're using the word resilience a lot, but resilience, confidence, kind of ability to be flexible in those situations. It might be other things. And I think that's a, a really important thing to keep in mind that whatever, if we were saying resilience, if we're saying confidence, if we're saying something else, that will immediately kind of conjure up a particular image in your mind as to what that looks like and that's going to be very different for different people based on what they've experienced in the past but also what they want to achieve in the future as well so um you mentioned earlier is it kind of particularly looking at younger people yeah so so um um if if you can um afford to be bored to get bored of uh, about what i'm doing so basically <laughs> Look at, because I'm I'm a blogger, so um, I'm the, I'm the founder of Psychreg, which is a a a blog, which we start we started as a blog and um is now I'm I'm a company. So basically, what I'm doing is, um, I'm trying to promote resilience among adolescents in developing countries through blogging. Um, so so I'm looking for the most effective way to do that, and ultimately my goal is to kind of. Um, launch a it's quite an ambitious project launch launch a um, global resilience website which is geared for um, adolescents in developing countries and and the reason why they're my target population is because um, a, a lot of um, mental health interventions that we have now is usually um, um, allotted to um, adolescents in um, already developed nations um, whereas if you look at, you know, evidence, um, especially, um, you know, in Southeast Asia, they would have lots of earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, and these affect the mental health of adolescents. So um, I, I really want to, you know, to help them enhance their levels of resilience. Um, and, and obviously, because I'm so passionate about blogging, my chosen intervention would be um, through blogging. Um I think a big thing to pick up on as well, though, is that, like you say, we're looking at um, people that maybe don't have access to to some of the resources that we often, I don't want to say complain, but we often mention sometimes the limited access or the underfunding of certain um, resources and facilities that we have in the UK. But kind of in reflection on, on other areas, other parts of the world, actually, we will get access to it at some stage. We might have to wait. Um, but we will get access to that. And there are places that don't have the NHS, that don't have the, the resources and facilities and services that we have access to. So I think really important that you're kind of drawing that attention that, you know, yes, it's important that we maybe mention some of the struggles we have, but also keep in mind maybe what um, other people ha have or maybe don't have access to as well. Yeah. I wonder if has kind of part of the reason why you're looking at kind of uh, like terms like resilience and, and kind of the approach that you've got. Is that because in some of the areas and with some of the younger people that you're kind of looking at, that they would be less likely to be diagnosed or to be treated or to receive services? So kind of looking at those maybe more general or wider reaching terms um, like resilience becomes really important for the work that you're looking at. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so basically, that there's a personal um, motivation why why I want to pay, do this research project. You know, like people do um, PhD for different reasons, and mine is more personal. Um, because um, first, I, I want to establish myself as an expert in the field in the field of um, blogging intervention, and secondly. Because and I, I don't want to sound it like, you know, a soapy story or a victim story, but I grew up in Islam in the Philippines and um, um, I, I, I've been exposed to, you know, adverse life conditions, um, but it was um, circumstances that rescued me. And um, there's also an element of, of writing and blogging that, you know, which serve us. Um, kind of, you know, a protective role in, in my mental health. Um, growing up, I was very, um, when I was born, there was no, uh, when I was growing up, there was no internet. I was, um, I was born in the 80s. So, um, but during those times, I just keep a journal. And that has been very instrumental for me in, you know, trying to make sense of what's happening with my life. And um, when, when there was already internet, I started blogging. Um, so, I see, I see, you know, um, adolescents in the Philippines who, you know, come from the same background as me as, you know, I've been there and I want to do something. Um, it might not be the biggest and the most um, effective intervention, um, but somehow I think it could be it could be a supplement, you know, to to promoting positive mental health. And that's what I'm trying to achieve. No, I think that that's really important. Thank you for sharing that. I think the the personal insights and the personal experiences are often what drive us to to do certain things i mean um there there are so many amazing charities in the uk that do, do a range of different things um and i it's it's very very rare i can think of maybe one or two people but it seems very rare that anyone does kind of any sort of fundraising or supporting a charity or project when there isn't that personal investment we rely on it so much and i think sometimes it's just kind of a given it's like oh someone will have some sort of backstory and that's why they're here and we don't always kind of take time to appreciate Mm -hmm. actually what that story is and the impact that that's had on that person so I think that's a a really important reflection to to make as well um but I know it's not just kind of your research project there's a lot of other things you kind of mentioned psych reg a little bit there and how that's grown from kind of early on just kind of being your your blog and your kind of story sharing and resource sharing to now being as you mentioned a good sized company with a lot of different activities and and things going on there's there's been a jump there hasn't there from I guess where you started to where it is now yeah um I have to be thankful for and I don't want to sound morbid but I have to be thankful for um um the the lockdown because I think if if it's not for the lockdown I would not have been forced to you know, really shape my blog into um, a more, you know, a, a more reliable source of income. Um, and so basically, um, just like any other bloggers would know, um, I, um, I earn from ads and sometimes um, I, I do pay my contributors to share, you know, their, their resources. So basically that's that's the business model of Psychridge. But um, um, I've... I really, uh, I, I really want to show to people that blogging is not just a hobby, but it could also be a source of um, positive mental health. It could also be um, a source of income. 
and it could also be a source of you know um networking um just like you know how how we manage to um meet meet each other it's basically because we have the same passion we we have the same passion about plugging so ultimately that's that's the kind of big message if you will that i want to convey to the general public um that you know blogging is not just simply an online platform but it serves a lot of purpose i think that's really important for people to hear particularly when we're talking about kind of mental health and well-being there is um i would say an assumption with blogging that it fits into certain maybe more popular categories uh and that's kind of where attention or finance is driven um and i know from from some of the kind of the collaborative stuff that we've done from the mental health blog awards and the people that we've spoken to through that that there are some people that it is just it's a coping strategy and and that's what it is for them there are some where it's a hobby there are some that are thinking about how can i start to make a bit of an income from this and some that do it full time Mm -hmm. i think for them to be able to see and kind of collaborate and network and speak to people like yourself is really important so that they can gauge what is possible and think about what they want to get from it is this something I just want to be sharing my story and that's it I'm not interested in anything more or would I like to do a little bit more would I start to um, like to look at are there certain companies or individuals that I can work with that I can support or they can support me and we can kind of raise a bit more awareness we can signpost to resources and services and projects and things like that I think that becomes really important and, and needs people like yourself to to be able to sort of show this is possible. You can go from this to this if you want to. Um, and I imagine that has taken quite a bit of time and a lot of kind of working out and a lot of thinking as to where you want to go. And I guess with that in mind, seeing such a huge change that's probably happened over the last 12 months or so with how people use online services we are probably all crossing our fingers that in the next six to 12 months I guess um, we're going to start to have more face-to-face and community stuff happen but what would you like to see kind of happen online in the future as as we maybe go back to more face-to-face are you hoping that that continues or changes or what are your hopes with kind of that that online community sharing? I, I I just hope that we have you know we we, we begin to um, harness online resources, um, and um, I I just want to touch upon what you said about you know um um the the, the different aspects of blogging that mm. it could um be be a, um a support group it could act as a support group it could be a source of income for for some people, but another thing that I want to highlight is that um. I don't have the exact literature, but there are a number of research which shows that when it comes to positive, uh, when it comes to mental health, adolescents are more likely to read blogs, they're more likely to watch um, video bloggers, rather than actually speak to a mental health professional. Now, um, um, there's there's also a trend that I want to um, that I want to share to your listeners. Um, there's actually a website called similarweb.com, and it's it's a website where you can check how much traffic a website gets. Oh. Now, there is a um, if if you're an academic, if you're a researcher, um, you'd be familiar about um, the journal called Annual Reviews of Psychology. It's the most um, prestigious psychology journal, 
And then there's Psychology Today. Um, some of you may be familiar about Psychology Today. Um, it's the most um, popular psychology blog. Now, if you um, check how much traffic they get um, on similar web, you can see a massive difference. Um, annual reviews of psychology, the last time I checked, they have about 1 million views a month. Whereas Psychology Today, the last time I checked, they have 26 million views a month. Now, that's the trend that you can see on textual blog, but you can also see a similar trend on video blog. Um, the leading mental health charity in Britain is Mind. They have about, give or take, 26,000 YouTube subscribers. Now, um, if, if you're into mental health, um, mental health YouTubers, you probably have heard of Molly Burke. Um, she's a Canadian YouTube blogger, and she has about um, 2 million YouTube subscribers. Now, um, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I'm not saying that, you know, it, it's a competition of who's got the most likes, who's got the most um, um, website visits. But I think it's important to um, take these trends into consideration when you're trying to, you know, when you're working within the mental health sector, that why is it that a 20, 25 year old YouTuber can connect more, can engage more than um, a mental health charity. There's got to be an answer for that. And just like what I've mentioned earlier, um, maybe because they find it more engaging, maybe they find more, you know, they, they can connect with a blogger than a mental health charity or the most um, prestigious psychology journal. And I think that's, that's the gap that um, bloggers or video bloggers are trying to to meet because um, you know so sometimes when we talk about mental health especially in the field of of psychology um there's there's a trend to use like big words you know like jargons and that that's what you um as a blogger and myself as a blogger are trying to address because um you know we we just talk the way normal people talk and i think that's an important you know um um, um, character that we should adapt. When, when you're trying to talk about mental health, um, there's no need to use for big words. Um, it, it might serve a purpose in the academic community, but you know, if you're trying to connect with adolescents, you just want to be more approachable and engaging. And I think that's what blogging is for, especially mental health blogs. I think, yeah, that's a really important point. There are times when um, we really want to be drawn on the language and we really want to learn. And I think often for us in our field, that's actually about if um, we're talking about particular diagnosis or particular illnesses, that's when we want to learn that language. We want to understand what that is so we can access different support. They're kind of, yeah, just using fancy, <laughs> using fancy words um, just for the sake of it. I think, um, I guess, as you said or alluded to, it's kind of what, who is your audience? Who are you? writing or, or recording your content for um, and I think that probably makes a big impact because there will be uh, uh, an audience um, that want that that want you know the nice words and maybe um, some really pretty pictures to go with stuff and I think that's not always possible that's not always what what things look like um, so there are different things and I think you pick up again on another really interesting point there with the um, how people interact with different, uh, I guess, online entities mm -hmm. uh, with regards to like large charities or large projects and businesses. 
um, and individuals. And I think that's a, a real area where we see particularly things like blogging, where we see the kind of the individual um, have that opportunity to share some real life insight, to have some understanding. You know, it's it's not going to be like this for everyone, but this is what it's like for me. And to really kind of put that across, um, I think that's really important. And I think um, that's potentially one of the reasons, I'm sure there are many others, why we start to see kind of that growth of the individual storytelling being so important. Mm. Um, and I think we often, I don't, I don't know about some of the projects that you do, but when I've um, been involved with projects, one of the big things is kind of that personal storytelling that is kind of a really big part of it's it's what helps with um, engagement. It's what helps with buy in um, and it shows people here's what this person is going through. But also we're willing to hear and, and host that. We want to hear from you and, and what what's going on for you. I think it's a, a really big opportunity and part of I know some of the, the projects and campaigns you've done in the past. And I think that's something that kind of really resonates with me and definitely fits in with um some of the the kind of the conversations that we've had away from the podcast around things like mental health blog awards um and kind of having those story sharing opportunities but i know you're also looking at some future events and things that might go on kind of later this year so it'd be interesting to hear a little bit about some of those those projects you've got looking towards the end of the year yeah, thank you. Um, so, so basically, SiteGrage is not just a platform that publishes a range of online contents like, you know, um, articles or mental health stories or podcasts, but I also host events. So um, I've been organizing um, events for um, the academic community and events guide for the general public. Um, usually I organize events which are, you know, um, live events. But last year I tried um, organizing a virtual event, which is Good Mental Health 2020. Um, it's been very successful. And right now I want to, um, this year I want to do another online event. Um, it's, it's, it's a hybrid. So um, this is for um, the general public and this is also for the academic community. Um, it's called ICPCE 2021. Um, it's a mouthful. So basically, it's an um, international conference on psychology, counseling, and education. And our theme is um, redefining resilience. So we have an excellent lineup of speakers. Um, our keynote will be delivered by the president of the British Psychological Society, um, Professor Nigel McLennan. And then we also have a speaker from UNESCO. Um, we also have um, we will also have a panel talk, um, which uh, from um, um, we, we have a speaker from Thailand, we have a speaker from Nepal and Malaysia, and and um, and Britain. So um, we 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 have a range we have a range of of talks all um, revolving around the idea of resilience. And for those who are more um, you know academic oriented, they also have a chance to present their work. Um, the, it will it will happen on on the 31st of October until the 1st of November. I'm sorry, 29th of October until 1st of November, and it's online. Um, so just go to um, ICPCE 2021, that's or just Google ICPCE 2021. Um, the registration is still open. And uh, I understand that some of your listeners are somehow um, affiliated with MHBA. Um, as a token of gratitude, because we're in the same um, industry, uh, I'll be happy to offer um, um, 
a, a really reduced registration rate of um, um, three pounds. Um, I, I understand this is really, um, you know, um, a struggling year for some. Um, I, I know some event organizers are offering their service for, you know, offering the events for free. But unfortunately, I'm not in a position to do that because I actually pay my speakers. And also because of, you know, I, I use um, um, software. That, that's why um, I, I have to charge a fee and I can't, you know, I can't do it for free. I wish I could, <laughs> but I can't. But I think um, give, giving your um, giving the MHBA people um, access um, to the event for three pounds would be um, a pr- pretty much good value. I think so. I think that's a very kind offer, and hopefully we get a few people that kind of take that up. I think um, one of the things you mentioned there, which I think is a, a really good thing to talk about with you as an event kind of organizer, is that idea of um, charging for events. I think actually. I've kind of come round to the idea that actually it's really important that we do charge for them, even if you don't need to. There needs to be a minimal cost implication because um, I would say I've hosted quite a few things now where they've been free and I've attended even more that have been free. And the amount of non attendees Mm -hmm. you get when something's free. So even something kind of minimal like a pound and two pound, I think, can be really important to to kind of reassure you that you've got an accurate number of people that are, are coming along um i guess it depends on how your event is if you are kind of purely delivery and there, there's not as much interaction maybe it doesn't matter as much but um it can make a massive difference as to how the event kind of flows and the interaction that you're able to have with different numbers um and i think something i've definitely noticed in the last year um as i say i've attended way more kind of meetings conferences training probably in the last sort of nine months than I've ever done (laughs) in the nine month period before because I don't have to pay for the travel I don't have to allow my time for travel um so there's a lot of things that we're kind of we're 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 saving money on as well at the moment I think which is a a really big thing and that's why um I think there will be more conferences more meetings and things like that that will actually probably stay online in the future because it it just increases that accessibility so so much more um, and particularly when we're talking about things you kind of mentioned the international aspect of of your conference and some of the the, the speakers and the talking that's going to happen um events like that just suddenly become so much more accessible to people from different locations um, we mentioned earlier maybe people from different backgrounds where actually you can say the event is free, but if it's going to cost me £40 to get to your location, that's not going to be accessible to me. Um, is is there kind of certain um, like a, a additional technology or things like that that I, I need to to support me to be able to interact with with the event? And I've seen kind of a mixture of, of really positive and some, uh, let's say, experimental <laughs> technologies that have been used at different things. Um, so I think it's a really positive world yeah. for, for for events and activities moving forward. Um, I guess with with that in mind, it'd be interesting to kind of reflect kind of your points of view on. In the past, we would have always been well. I feel like always mostly directing to in person events and activities. And moving forward, we're we're kind of talking more about obviously at the moment for this year stuff being online but what do you foresee kind of in the future do you think that's going to be something that that continues or is maybe used as a kind of 
some online, some in person. What 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 are you looking for in the future? Um, I, I would still love to personally. I'm I'm really um, leaning towards the side of um, live event, in person event rather than you know an on an online event because it, it might sound a, as a cliche, but there's really nothing that could replace a personal interaction. Um, um, especially the kind of events that I've organized before. Um, I've organized um, seven events so far, and usually they're in different countries. And, you know, there's nothing that replaces that because, you know, the food, um, the language, the culture, the traveling, it's all part of it. Um, It's not just, you know, and not just the event itself. But like what you've said, if there's one thing that um, the lockdown has thought that is that it somehow conditioned our mind that, it can be done online. So what, why do we have to do it in person? Um, you, you know, like probably three years ago, if you tell me that you could do everything online, I won't fall for it. But the last <laughs> was that, that everything is possible. Um, you know, like um, I, I, I used to go to Tesco um, to, to do a weekly grocery, but now um, because of the lockdown, that's the first time that when the lockdown forced us to, you know, book it online. That I, I find it really weird that, you know, you do your grocery online. Um, it, it, it's just really weird. You know, I, I really want to touch my letters. But right now, I'm <laughs> just looking at it and you book it. So I think um, lockdown has really kind of, you know, kind of shaped that mindset that it's doable online. But I think there's still the old fashioned me that, no, um, I know my 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 kind of, you know, my passion, what I do is really within the digital space. I still want to have um, a face to face interaction. Um, you know, that, it, that there's something about it. I, I don't want to sound so cheesy, but there's something about shaking hands, you know, with person. There's something about, you know, looking at that the speaker face to face. And, and asking questions um, in person rather than, you know, um, just online or on a chat box. And of course, the food. Um, and, and in online event, you won't get your food. Um, uh, you just, you know, sip your water, your tea. Uh, I, I miss food. Um, d- despite my weight, um, I, I really love food. <laughs> I feel like you started that with the word food and I was like, yeah, I'm on board again. <laughs> I'm actually a freelance um, pizza specialist, aside from being a blogger. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think there is um, there is a big thing, isn't there, around that kind of shared um, kind of eating and drinking and that social time, I think, is a, a, a really, a really valuable thing. And I think it's, yeah, it's looking at online, as I think you worded it quite nice, online is now a viable option. Mm. Um I say two two years ago maybe even a little bit over a year ago um I think we would have kind of frowned quite a lot at the idea of of hosting purely online but knowing that that's an option now or that you could do some kind of combination I think is a, a really beneficial thing particularly for kind of the field that we're talking about where you could have or you could be targeting your audience to be people that are affected by certain mental health conditions that might mean actually a social setting is is not favourable for them um, and, and having that opportunity to, to interact or be involved in some other way. Um, and that's definitely something that's on my mind for the future for how you can kind of 
combine that in-person thing um because i think you're right that that you can't replace it it's an alternative but you, you can't replace it um while also trying to keep some of that accessibility that you you get from the online delivery i think is a really big thing but you've uh, you've mentioned so many different things that are kind of, of of going on at the moment um and there's so many different changes that we've got happening um this year it'd be nice to kind of start to round us off with an idea of if you could maybe pick something that you'd like to to achieve maybe next year when we feel like there's a bit more certainty is there something that you'd like to work towards or kind of see happen um within kind of the work that you're doing or just generally within kind of the the mental health blogging community mm-hmm. um th- this might not be directly to um the mental health community but um when, when i set the goal i'm very metric based so um, my, my goal this year is to um, have like 500,000 visits um, a month. Um, currently, I'm on 300,000 visits a month because um, my, my long term goal is to be the next psychology today. I know that's a tall order, but um, I, I think with um, the support of my readers and contributors, I'll eventually reach that stage. But um, I think on a more personal level, something um, related more to um, mental health, um, I, I want to see more collaborations um, with different, you know, organization, because sometimes um, we tend to be um, rather fragmented, um, which is, I think it's a bit of, um, it's, it's a bit um, dis- discouraging, because sometimes we just have one collective goal, which is promoting positive mental health. But some, sometimes if, if, if you look at it from an outsider's point of view, we tend to you know, do things differently or that we have the same goal. And I want to see more collaboration with different you know, um, mental health um, organizations, mental health brands. Um, um, I, I, I haven't seen um, a lot of you know, mental health events, which you know, um, all, all um, mental health brands have come together and just, you know, organize something which is, you know, um, around a, a common theme. Um, and I want I want to see more of that um, um, probably the next few years. Yeah, I think that's um, that sounds really positive and something to kind of hopefully look for as well, doesn't it? I think you, you kind of uh, pick something there where I see elements of it, I guess. You sort of see um a couple of people that will work together but it's kind of not wholesale or it's they've got similar things in common rather than like a, a massively wide ranging thing so i think looking out for some of those collaborative opportunities seeing it attending if, if there's opportunities to go to those things or also looking for opportunities within your own kind of community networks of can you collaborate and work with um other bloggers are there other projects that you can be part of and, and join in with i think you mentioned um, earlier kind of having uh, uh, contributors and collaborators for different activities so I think that's a really big thing for people to look at if you want to and feel comfortable to kind of share your story on a, on a wider scale there are lots of different opportunities to do that um, and I guess with that in mind it'd be um, really helpful if people want to find out a little bit more about yourself Dennis or some of the kind of the projects and the campaigns that we've mentioned where are some of the places that they can go to find out about you in, in those different activities 
Yeah, so basically you can see most of my work um, on SiteGridge. So that's P-S-Y-C-H-R-E-G.org. Um, I have um, different um, online presence. Um, you can find me on Twitter and you can find me on YouTube. I also host um, the VRH show. And um, I also have an, an academic journal and I also host a range of events. So just um, punch in SiteGridge and you, you'll see the range of works that I do. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today, Dennis, and for, for sharing some of your experience. It's been lovely to kind of catch up and hear about the stuff that's going on in the future as well. There's a lot of projects that, um, a lot of activities that I didn't know as much about. So it's been good to hear. Thank you so much for kind of sharing that information. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to be on your show. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realize how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.